In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is taken from the intro at Psalm, Psalm 39, which we have prayed together. We may sit. I call your attention to the words of our text. O Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. This is our text. As many of you know, the church year is drawing to a close. For Advent, the preparation for Christmas, begins this year, the first Sunday in December, and that's the beginning of a new church year. The theme of these last Sundays in the church year is the last things. Death, Christ's return, judgment, and eternal life. The three overlapping holidays, Halloween, All Saints, and All Souls, which is also called the commemoration of the faithful departed, or in Spanish, the Day of the Dead, signal this shift into the last things. And thus today's intro at Psalm asks God to know my end and the measure of my days, or to put it in other words, what is my purpose? And what is my time to accomplish it? As we contemplate the last things, let us consider this basic question that we have a purpose and a limited time for it. Now in the first place, we each have a purpose and God usually makes it clear. As infants, we were told what to do. Smile, walk, eat your meat, kiss your mommy. Parents and peers, teachers and pastors all told us what to do. But the trivial was mixed up with the important, the means with the ends, the specific with the general. So I was told as a child, be careful. That was a general command. Don't play in the street was more specific. As a kid in kindergarten, I remember being told, make a card for your mother. Well, that was pretty specific. The general idea was to love and appreciate your parents. I, I kind of missed that as a kid the first couple of years. And I didn't find making the cards to be particularly meaningful either. Now, at catechism by sixth or seventh grade, most of you were taught that the purpose of life is love. To love God above all things and to love your neighbor as yourself. Again, many of us understood love as a feeling, and we never developed feelings for God. And so we dropped out of church as soon as we could. I remember as a teenager, I had been confirmed with about 30 kids, and, you know, by the time I was a junior in high school, you know, where'd they all go? Many of us had conflicted feelings about our parents. And while we recognized some love there, we also had some resentment and some anger, and yeah, so we left them as soon as we could, too. 
And then maybe later at some point in life, we realize that love is expressed in actions of service. When you're changing your baby's diaper, it kind of occurs to you, why am I messing with this excrement? And you realize it's because you love this child that has come about. And so by identifying with our families, caring for our own children, it helped us to see the catechism principle that to love your neighbor is to help him in his need. And what many people miss is that the greatest universal need is for God. Just as brother or sister need to have a positive relationship with parents to enjoy life at home, just as a fellow worker needs positive relationships with the boss for job success. So each of us needs to trust the ultimate power of the universe. We need to tap into the wisdom that gives meaning to life. We need to know that our significance won't end the minute we die. And thus our purpose, generally speaking, is to love God and to love others and these intertwine. Duty, what you ought to do, is one key to our specific purpose. We have a duty to family, to our community and state, to our commitments. So many of the ordinary activities of life, making a living, caring for our family, serving the country through tax paying or through military service, these are our purpose. This is the way in which we serve others in need. This is part of the life of love. Opportunity is a further key to the specific purpose God has for you in life for your resources enable you to give and to do what others cannot. And so you have opportunity to serve the needs of others. You have choices that you can make. And sometimes we find this the most embarrassing or most the hardest part of the Christian life when God doesn't tell us specifically what to do and he gives us choices and opportunities and we don't know how to handle it. Among your resources are your abilities, whether technical skills or your charming personality. These enable you to give and to do what others cannot. How will you use what God has given you? Will you use them for the opportunities to do good in your life, to help others? to make their lives more meaningful, rewarding, edifying, etc. And while our general purpose, loving God and others, remains, the specifics change. You know, graduation marks the shift of responsibilities from study to employment. Retirement marks the shift from duty to an employer to opportunity to use time for other needs of the people around us. Even disability should be seen as a shift from one purpose to another, 
For when we are laid low by an injury or a disease or a sickness or a disability, we can still serve others while receiving care. We can share appreciation, a positive attitude, and we have above all time to spend in prayer for those who care for us. We are to love God and love others. That's our general call, our purpose in life, and the way in which we carry it out may change and shift according to our stage of life, our particular abilities and opportunities. But whatever our purpose is in life, time to accomplish that purpose is limited. As the psalm says, Behold, you've made my days a few handbreadths. My lifetime is as nothing. Now it may seem that time is unlimited, especially when you were young. I remember as a kid, it seemed forever for Christmas to get here. And now as an adult, I blink and it's here overnight. As a teacher, you know, I used to say, you know, the students are getting younger every year. And then I became a principal and I thought to myself, man, the teachers are getting younger every year. Time flies, especially when you are busy. And for most of us, we're busiest when our own kids are young. And that's an illusion that we suffer from. It seems that our kids will be ours forever, but in less than two decades, they're changed, if not gone and the state we thought would last the rest of our lives is quickly passing. Therefore, now is the time for certain actions, certain opportunities, certain duties. As our Old Testament lesson says, Ecclesiastes 3, for everything there is a time and a season. Your kids may not play soccer next year, so get to a game now. Your dad may not be alive next holiday, so visit him now. And it should be clear that we cannot complete all the tasks that we are given. No matter how faithful, how diligent, how busy we are in life, we won't get it all done. Satan likes to use that fact to hammer us and make us feel like failures. There's even a common folk saying a mother's work is never done Dirt always accumulates, meals always need preparation, people always require comfort and encouragement. And we are tempted to blame ourselves. And sometimes the blame is well placed for our own neglect, whether due to ignorance or selfishness or weakness. We haven't done all that we could have done. Often we devote ourselves to the wrong things. You know, so many of us devote ourselves to pleasure. But at the end of a wasted life, can we say to our neglected children around our deathbed, at least I had a good time while it lasted? Can we say to Christ before the judgment seat of God, hey, at least I had a good time while it lasted? God forbid that any be so depraved, so self-centered, so short-sighted, as to waste his life in pursuing pleasure rather than the duty and opportunities 
that serve others and, truth be told, are even more pleasurable and satisfying in the long run. We often devote ourselves to seeking money. Our psalm says, surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. You know, that's one of the, one of the, one basis for our Lord's parable of the rich fool who built bigger barns and then the Lord said, your life is required of you tonight. That's how it is with people who are rich in this world's goods but are not rich towards God. When I taught middle school, one of my challenges was to help kids understand the value of money. That money is neither nothing nor is it everything. And kids, middle school kids, they fall into one extreme or the other. It's either all or nothing. Either I don't care about money, and so you go through life freeloading off others, being a burden to others in society, or you go through life thinking that money is the most important thing and you sell out your friends and your family in order to get it. Money has value. It is a tool by which we may do good. It is a means and not an end in itself. Your money has value, but realize this, your money has an expiration date. The day your life comes to an end. Now God has answered the psalmist's prayer. Our psalm says, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. God has had mercy on us who struggle with our purpose in limited time. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. He entered our world of confusion and limitation. He fulfilled the purpose both of the carpenter's son in this world and the son of God. For 30 years he performed his duty as a son, as a worker, as a church member or synagogue member, as a neighbor and a citizen. And then as the son of God, he took all of our failings, all of our missed opportunities, our bad choices, our selfish actions, our futile strivings, our damnable sins. To the cross. His blood washed away all of which we should be ashamed before the dreaded judgment seat. He did this so that we in the here and now would receive power and blessing to bless others. That we might receive divine aid to fulfill our purpose to enable us to love God and to love others in ways that we could not before. To recognize the purpose of our lives, to rejoice in its duties and opportunities. That we who have been blessed with eternal life might share this hope with others. That we might illustrate it in our service of others. Christ has entered our world to be present in us and with us by faith. And in our faithfulness, we can make the purpose of life evident to others.
may Christ be present in your life as you manifest love to others, helping them in their needs through your vocation, through your duty, through your opportunities, and illustrate that the greatest need, peace with God who forgives sin through Jesus, is available to them. Amen. Amen. And may that peace of God that surpasses our understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord.